Are you tired of feeling stuck in a cycle of scarcity, knowing deep down that you're destined for so much more? Do you yearn to elevate your wealth and manifest a life overflowing with abundance? Well, get ready to embark on a transformational journey because the free Money Mindset Workshop is back and better than ever. Mark your calendars for Friday, May the 31st at 6pm UK time, where we'll be diving into the secrets of unlocking all that prosperity. If you can't make it live, no worries. You'll still have access to the replay so you won't miss a single nugget of wisdom. So why should you join me for this life-changing free workshop? Firstly, we're going to shake off those limiting beliefs and mindset blocks that have been holding you back. It's time to break free and unleash the full potential of your money mindset. Then we'll be talking about manifesting wealth and success like never before. So say goodbye to just dreaming and hello to turning those dreams into tangible realities. And let's not forget about the cash flow because we're going to explore all the ways that money can flow into your life, enriching it beyond measure. Some of you might be wondering, does mindset really work? Absolutely. This workshop will serve as your guide and light, showing you how mindset shapes your reality and empowers you to actively pursue your goals. So whether you're a newbie to positive money mindset or a seasoned pro, this workshop is designed for you. If you're ready to see a significant transformation in your wealth and you're eager to embrace new techniques for inviting prosperity into your life, then you belong here. So what's on the agenda? We've got a 90-minute interactive session where we'll tackle those limiting beliefs head-on and uncover the abundance waiting to be embraced. Just imagine, instead of struggling, you could manifest money faster easier and with less effort. Are you ready to step into a life of abundance? Join me Friday, May the 31st for my free money mindset workshop. To sign up for your free place, visit cannycrystalsacademy.co.uk forward slash workshop. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, 
everyone. I hope that you're all well. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Canny Crystals, the podcast. As you know by now, my name is Mart. I'm your host. And this week, someone crashed into my brand new Range Rover. Yes, we are starting the show with a little story. Oh my God, I'm over it. But basically, I was on the way to go and see my nana. It was her birthday on Tuesday. And I was just like, you know, the perfect grandson. I went out, I got her a nice gift, got her a lovely card, got her some, you know, gorgeous flowers, like all the typical nan gifts. And then I put my dog in the car. First time he has ever been in the brand new car, should I add. Um, I put his bed in the boot. I pulled the, there's like an elasticated like shelf, boot shelf rack thing, whatever it's called. And he was in there. He was absolutely like fine. And I got on the A1. I drove down. I came off at Chesley Street, if you know the area. And as I came off the motorway, I went down to the roundabout and I went round as I was supposed to do. And then when I was in the left-hand lane, I just saw this car come out of nowhere from the third lane in, from the inside. And it literally just went straight bang into the side of me, into the driver's door, into the door at the back. And the car kind of like spun out. I didn't know what had happened at first. And then I looked and I just saw these two lads in the car behind. And I was like, oh my God, someone has just hit my brand new car. That's all I was bothered about. And then I heard JJ whimpering. And I was like, oh my God, JJ is not well. So I got out of the car. I ran round to the boot. I lifted up the boot. And JJ was absolutely fine. I think he was just shocked. So he started whimpering. Um, But as I was like trying to keep him in the boot, the other guy had got out. And he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. He wasn't from around here. He was Scottish. He had a thick Scottish accent. He said he was down for the day with work. And he basically said that his sat-nav had changed right at the last minute and he needed to come off at that junction. And just unfortunately, I'd been in the wrong place at the wrong time because he'd cut across three lanes of traffic and smashed straight into the side of my brand new car. So Tuesday was a bit of a write-off because obviously after that, I was quite shook up. And by the time I got to my nana's, I had a good cry and obviously the car was in absolute state. If you've seen photos on Instagram, you'll know it's really dunched in. Um, so anyway, I went to see my nana. I couldn't really concentrate, you know, when your head's all over. My mum was like offering us drinks and food and I just, I just couldn't keep it together. I was just like, oh my God, I need to sort this. So I was like doing the online claim because you can't speak to anyone these days when you're putting in a motor claim. I don't know why. But anyway, I was doing the online claim. I, I submitted the photos. The guy, um, luckily, rang us afterwards, told us his full name, his address, and stuff like that. And then he rang us a bit later to make sure that I was all right, and I was asking if he was all right. And I said, look, let's just be grateful that neither of us are injured, and everything here can be replaced, okay? So, yes, you've got a smashed headlight. Yes, I've got bashed in doors. It's absolutely fine. It can all be fixed. We are both absolutely fine. Uh, My dog's all right. His passenger was all right. Anyway... So I woke up this morning, today's Wednesday, and I woke up this morning and I had a phone call off uh, my insurance company and he has admitted full liability for you, honestly. So it means that my no claims won't be affected. It means that my insurance won't go up. It means that everything basically is going to be fixed and I don't have to worry about it. And the good thing is, they said, because the car is brand new, with it only being like six days old when he hit it, that it's going to an approved Jaguar Land Rover kind of body workshop. So it's all being fixed. It's going to basically leave that body workshop exactly how it left the showroom on the day that I bought it. So I'm a little relieved. So I'm just waiting at the garage to call now. 
but very, very relieved. It could have been a lot worse, and I'm just grateful. I think it's probably just the universe telling me to slow down. I've got so much on, as you can imagine, and I go from one thing to another, 100 miles an hour. Not literally, I don't mean like I'm flying around or anything. Um, But I go from one thing to another, and I've just got so much on my plate and so much going on in my head that... I think it was just the universe's way, or at least I'm taking it as the universe's way of telling me to just slow down and telling me to do like, you know, a little bit of self-care like I would normally like have a bath and meditate and stuff like that because it has fell by the wayside the last couple of weeks, especially I've just been so, so busy and wrapped up with everything else and work that it hasn't really crossed my mind, but I do feel the need to because I sat in terrible anxiety last night. And you know, when you're just breathing and your chest is so tight and I could feel my heart racing and I was looking at my Apple Watch and it was like saying that something like my heart rate was 125 and I was like, it shouldn't be that high when I'm just sat here. But yeah, anyway, let's get on with it. So today is the day. If you're listening to this on the day of release, Friday the 10th of March, please make sure that you're in the Manifest and Money Masterclass free Facebook group tonight at 6pm because I will be going live to celebrate the launch of the course and give out a 50% discount code for everyone listening too. You will only get the 50% discount code if you attend the Facebook Live. I'm so, so excited. It's taken me since September last year when I first started designing what the course would look like. And today it's finally here. So I'm just really, really excited if I'm honest. So if you're listening to this after Friday the 10th of March, do not worry. You can always join the Facebook group and watch the live back whenever you like. It's not going anywhere. You can also access the course at any time that you want on cannycrystalsacademy.co.uk. But Friday the 10th of March is just the date that it all launches. You can access whenever and wherever, to be totally honest. So this week, I read an amazing book. Well, I say read. I listened to it on Audible. Johnny read it last month, and he's not really one for spirituality or self-development. So when he was telling me the ins and outs of it, I was like, hmm, this could be a really good idea for a podcast episode. So here we are. So I had it on while I worked on Monday this week, and I just really connected with it straight away. And I just knew that it's something that you lot love talking about as well. And it's all about how we increase our productivity and rid our procrastination. People talk to me in messages about this so, so much that I even created a like increase your productivity and rid your procrastination subliminal audio and it's one of the best sellers if I'm totally honest because it's something that you lot ask for time and time again so the book is called Stolen Focus it's by Johan if I pronounce that right Johan Hari and it's all about ways that we can find the time that we always tell ourselves that we lack through fighting back at distractions from our everyday life And it's totally one of those where I clicked with it straight away because I'm guilty of this myself. And you know, I say this all the time on the podcast, like I don't have time to fart. I don't have time to do X, Y, or Z. But we can have that time, okay? We all get the same amount of time each day. It's all about how we utilize that time to be the most productive that we can be because we can achieve so much and we can achieve our goals and our dreams, not just through manifestation, through hard work as well. So how can we utilize that time to be the most predictive person that we can be? And again, like I say, I'm guilty of distractions. For example, today, as I record this, I knew on my list that I had to pack all your orders. I had to record this podcast. I had to call me Nana. 
because yesterday I just was out of it. Then I've got to finish my presentation for Friday night's masterclass launch. I've got to reorder loads of boxes and packaging that I'm running low on. Then I've got two FaceTimes with mines, one in India, one in Africa, to reorder like crystals. I've then got a meeting with my accountant, a meeting with the marketing agency, podcast questions to create and send over for next week's guest who I'm recording with tomorrow. Then I've got to respond to as many DMs and emails as I can. All that... And I've got no food in the house. So I also need to do a food shop. I need to walk JJ. And that's without eating or, you know, any self-care or exercise or any form of well-being thrown in. Whew. But even though I have all that on my plate and I know I'm going to be stressed, I still caught myself this morning responding to DMs and then scrolling Instagram endlessly, which is part of the reason that I don't use my own Instagram or Facebook or TikTok anymore because I'm just so easily distracted and I know this. So I've put a limit on it. I stop it. I have half an hour a day. The limiter comes on and I don't do any more than that. And that's why I try to section off times of the day to do certain things because it sets me a deadline for what I have to achieve in that allocated time. But it also means that I won't be then distracted, flitting from, you know, one task to another all day long. So, for example, I tend to respond to DMs and emails as I take the dog for a walk between three and four because it's something that I can do that requires no extra time. I'm already out on a walk. JJ is quite happily like running around the fields, chasing for his ball constantly. And he's really, really well behaved. He spends the time by my side and he'll always come back when I shout. So that gives me plenty of time to respond to messages. But believe it or not, I still get people messaging an hour later after they've sent their first message with question marks. And as I've posted a story or something like that on my Instagram, that means to them that I'm online. But I've not responded to them yet. So some people are just impatient. But I've just got a section off my day to make sure that I get all my tasks done. That's not me being ignorant. It's just the way I work. And I believe it works really well for others as well. But like I say, some people see that as me being ignorant. I'm not. I'm not ignoring you. I will get back to your messages. It's just the fact that I've got so much on my plate. I'm trying to section off my work to make it manageable for me. And it's even got to the point that I've stopped looking at me WhatsApp when I'm down in the office. So if anyone needs us and it's an emergency, they'll call us, right? Because I get added into so many WhatsApp group chats with friends for, you know, this event or this day out. Or we're going here or there or, you know, we're going out for someone's birthday. And if I start responding to them, I get sucked into a conversation. And before I know it, I've been on my phone for an hour and it's just wasted time. Do you know what I mean? Like it's part of the reason I've not properly employed a colleague yet because I don't trust myself. I know my mum comes to help out like every week, but when she's here, we end up doing little tasks that she feels comfortable with because I can't really get on with the bigger tasks when she's here from being distracted from just talking to her. But basically I've just got no self-control. I can't trust myself. <laughs> Lol. Um, painting a great picture of myself here, aren't I? It's a good job I'm spoken for because that would have been a great bio on Tinder. So in this book, Stolen Focus, it talks about how we get our attention span back. Because like I say, we've all been there. You know, you sit down, you're ready for work and you get a text. And as you text them back, a Facebook notification pops up. So you shift over to read what's happening on Facebook. But as you're halfway through reading that, you get another ping. Someone's like the photo that you posted last night on Instagram. And after checking who it was, you realize they've also got new photos on their profile. Is that a new partner that they've got? Oh, look at the dog. Who's that in the photo? Let's check out their profile. And as you start swiping through the images, another WhatsApp notification chimes. Wait, what were you doing again? Oh yeah, you're supposed to be at work. Do you get me? 
If you're wondering what's happened to your capacity for concentration, you are not alone. And that's the beauty of it, okay? Collectively, our attention spans seem to be, you know, dwindling at an alarming rate. And every single year that passes, there are more and more distractions and disruptions added to that pile. So how did we get there? And is there any way to escape that attention downward spiral? So unless you're living off the grid, and I know a few of you actually are living off the grid, living in campus and things like that, you're very, very good. You've probably noticed that it's getting increasingly difficult to focus in general because you're busy all the time, yet you struggle to actually get anything done. So there was a study done in the book and it talks about, I think it was in 2013 off the top of my head, and it concluded basically that conversation topics trended on Twitter for an average of 17 and a half hours. And that was before people lost interest and move on to another topic. But by 2016, just three years later, that number had dwindled to just 11 hours. So in three years, our attention span had dwindled six and a half hours in general. So basically, what this shows is that the more time we've spent in online spaces, the shorter our attention spans have become. So Is it really just the internet that's breaking down our focus? Because essentially, the way that we receive information is speeding up. I mean, let's look at it this way. In the 19th century, for example, news could take days to travel from place to place. And I mean days. They used to use bloody, what was it called? Carrier pigeons with messages, didn't they? Like in the olden days. And back then, technologies like, you know, telegraph, radio, TV, that all sped up the spread of information. So then if we jump to the 1990s, obviously the internet has, you know, undeniably supercharged that acceleration. And now information is not only available to us all the time, it actually intrudes on our lives through endless pings and notifications coming from our laptops, our phones and whatever devices that we're using. And basically our brains just haven't caught up. We haven't evolved to that level of acceleration. And I think there's something, there's some research that suggests that they never will which is really sad when you think about it because we'll never ever keep up with the acceleration rate of technology with our brains. And Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, the fact that these apps and other online platforms suck so much of your time, that isn't a design flaw. They're supposed to be addictive. That's what they're designed for. And I think personally, that's probably why they, you know, call us lot users. We're users. We're social media users. We're not customers. We are users. We've literally been fed a bloody social media drug, if that's how you prefer to call it. And we're now addicted. We're hooked. So there was a lab study back in the early noughties, to put this into perspective, and it was conducted on rats. Okay, don't worry. No harm against animals on this podcast. But basically, they would present a rat with a meaningless task, something like pushing a button. But the rat would show no interest in doing that. I mean, why would it? So every time the rat pressed the button, it would be rewarded with a pellet of food. And rewards would, you know, motivate animals to carry out tasks that had no intrinsic meaning to them. And I did this myself with JJ, my dog. I bought him these buttons off Amazon and I placed them across the house and I recorded my voice on different buttons. So every time you press the button, it would come out with my voice. So they would say different things. So one by the front door, for example, says walkies and one by the back door says wee wee. And the one by his treat cupboard says treat. And then he's got another one upstairs by his toy box and that one says play with the ball. And at first, he wouldn't even go near them. He wouldn't entertain them at all. But once he learned that every time he pressed the treat button, that he would get a little doggy chocolate drop, oh my God, he eventually broke the bloody button. He was jumping around on it so hard. He used to carry it around. He would take it to bed with him all the time. 
So anyway, putting that into context and thinking of social media, what do we have as humans? We've got like buttons. We've got share buttons. We've got comment buttons. You know, we've got those little hearts and emojis and retweet buttons. They aren't design quirks. They're programming and conditioning us to use social media in addictive ways by rewarding us for the time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. ...that we spend on those platforms. Them buttons are what keep us engaging longer. But they're only one of the many design elements geared at keeping us online. Because when you think about it, what's another one? The infinite scroll. Back in the early days of like Facebook, and if you're like old like me, you'll remember like MySpace and Face Party, things like that. Back in the early days of those, web pages were just that. They were pages. Sites often were made up of multiple pages, but when you got to the bottom of one, you had to click through to the next. They weren't endless like they are now. So if you wanted to keep browsing, you had to physically decide to click ahead. Now, there's an endless refreshing feed of content on Facebook and Instagram now, and even Twitter and TikTok, and that that features on the interface of nearly every single social media platform out there. That gives the impression that there is a never-ending supply of content. So if likes and shares encourage users to stay online longer, the infinite scroll encourages users to stay online forever. And that's changed the way that we use social media and our phones. And what's more, the content that you see on that infinitely refreshing page, it isn't ordered chronologically unless you choose it to be that way. It's arranged by an algorithm. And that algorithm is programmed to feed us content that keeps us scrolling for longer because it's easier to disengage from calm, positive content. But if something is striking us as outrageous or controversial, we tend to keep on looking. It's part of a psychological phenomenon called negativity bias. And that's because negative experiences impact us more than positive ones. So it's in social media's interest to literally provoke its users. It's like when I used to work in uh, customer service for, I think it was Topman and Topshop, like the Arcadia group years ago, if you live in the UK. Um, when I used to work in their customer services, they used to say, if someone has a good experience in store, they will tell one person. If someone has a negative experience in store, they would tell the world and its sister about that negative experience because it's just something that we do. We love to bitch. We love to mourn. We love to talk about negativity. And that is negativity bias. Some of you may know all of this already, by the way. And I believe that while I was listening to the audiobook, I felt like, you know, yes, I know this already. But it wasn't until the author spoke it out loud that I was like, Holy fuck, this is literally all of us turning into brain-dead zombies from these huge corporations like Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. 
Social media can be a powerful force for good. We all know that. But rather than harness this force, the platforms like Facebook are intent on exploiting our attention. And as a consequence, they're sowing division and controversy across the world. What I find now is, and I'm guilty of this myself, that when I go on TikTok, if a video doesn't catch me attention in the first, you know, five to six seconds, I've already scrolled on. I've gone past it. And that's statistically all it takes nowadays. 5.5 seconds. And that is crazy to me. And you'll probably know this because you do it yourself. But to me, that's worrying. And that's part of the reason that I restrict my own usage because I can be on TikTok, especially for hours just scrolling. And I'll have not gained anything other than maybe a few laughs at some funny stuff. But it's just that quick hit of dopamine we get and then it's gone. We're never going to get that hour back again. We haven't been productive for that hour. We've got nothing to show for it. So how do we combat all of this? How many things are you doing right this second as you listen to this? You might be, you know, listening to this podcast and nothing else. I doubt it. You could be just sat there in your chair with a big happy smile on your face listening to yours truly, but I very, very much doubt that, okay? More than likely, you're doing a range of things. You're listening to this podcast while you're working, or you're cooking dinner, or you're scrolling through the news, or social media, or you're chatting with your colleagues, or your partner, or you're out for a walk. It's easy to blame our shrinking attention spans on our devices and the easy access that they offer to an attention-sucking online world, but that's not the whole picture. We live in a world that values speed and output and by using focus, that allows us to produce and to earn, to tick off items off our to-do list and that's where multitasking comes in. The more we can achieve simultaneously at the same time, the better our focus is spent. So why not distribute our attention across several tasks at once? Well, because as it turns out, we are bad at multitasking. I know I am. Like I mentioned earlier, my mum will come into me work on a Wednesday. She'll start talking to me because I just can't. I've got no self-control. She'll start talking to us about something that she did earlier in the week. And I literally have to stop what I'm doing because I can't take in what she's saying. The word multitask itself was first used by computer scientists in the 60s to describe the functions of computers with multiple processors. It was never meant to be applied to humans. We only have one processor, our brain. Computers have thousands. So when we multitask, we're not simultaneously performing several tasks at once, although you'll probably like to think that you are. We're switching between them at hyperspeed. So when you switch between tasks or when you're interrupted mid-task, your brain then needs to recalibrate, which decreases your mental performance in total. When we get distracted from one task, do you know how long it takes to physically get back into the zone? It's 35 minutes. 35 minutes it takes us to get back in the zone of what we were doing. And what if that task only took half an hour? That's going to take us twice as long. There was a study talked about in this book as well that compared a group who worked on a single task interrupted with a group that was distracted during the course of their task all the way through. And the study found that the members of the distracted group temporarily dropped an average of 10 IQ points while they were completing their task. 10 IQ points, how mad is that? I know most of you that, you know, go to work in an office, for example, you'll be constantly answering emails. You'll be taking part in multiple conversations about multiple projects. You're working across, you know, sometimes three or four different computer screens. I know when I was in the NHS, in my last role before I quit, 
There was over 60 of us in one giant office. I had a laptop open. I had two computer screens. I had a tablet to do my work on. I couldn't concentrate so often that I went to quiet areas. And sometimes I even put my headphones on to listen to subliminals to calm my anxiety. And it just stopped us from being overwhelmed and distracted. But even then, people started, you know, saying that I wasn't partaking in the office atmosphere. I was ignoring people by doing that. But that office atmosphere just wasn't me at all. In fact, it's probably the worst job that I've ever had in the NHS because I just hated it so much. Luckily, there is an antidote to multitasking anyway. There's a way of approaching tasks that cultivates deep focus. So, for example, if you've ever concentrated so hard on something, whether that's, you know, creating a website or a a painting or drawing or simply just doing a jigsaw, you'll lose track of time. Yeah. And that means that you've been in what's called a flow state. So when you're in flow, your focus becomes deeper and better. And it's solely focused on that task at hand. And time will fly. And you're far less like susceptible to distractions. And the good news is that everyone can access that flow state as long as they meet a few key conditions. So first, the task that you're tackling, it needs to be rewarding. Okay, so if the task that you're doing isn't rewarding or you find it boring, you're not going to be able to get in that flow state because when you're in flow, it's the process rather than the product that engages you. So unless you're passionate about, you know, data entry or spreadsheets, you're unlikely to find flow filling out Excel spreadsheets all day, every day. It has to be and it's got to be rewarding to you. And then secondly, the task should be challenging enough to, you know, demand our full attention, but not so difficult that you're tempted to give up on it. And it's just finding that right balance, isn't it? Because we all know what it's like when something is so difficult because they're the types of tasks that we put off day after day. And before you know it, the deadline's here and we still haven't done it. But then finally, monotasking is essential. You need to direct all your mental energy towards one single task. People like athletes or musicians or scientists, they often attribute their achievements to their ability to access flow states. And they are monotasking. They're concentrating on one task at any one given time. But in a world that's decided that multitasking is essential and one that values speed and output over deep focus... The average person is finding it harder and harder to achieve that flow state. But don't worry, we can get our attention back. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Woohoo! In a world obsessed with multitasking, making room for other forms of focus like flow is really hard to do, but it is possible, okay? It's not as simple as, you know, slowing down and switching off. But what I like to do, as I mentioned earlier, is I box off some time. I section off that time in my diary. Sometimes on the morning of, or sometimes even the night before, I will open the notes app on my phone and I'll write down everything that I need to do for that day with like a little checklist. And I then itemize out how long I'm going to give myself for each task. And sometimes I even go as far as, you know, popping those tasks with the allocated times into my phone diary because it really does keep me on track with what I'm trying to do and I find that I'm then able to focus during that 60 minutes of during podcasting, for example, or 90 minutes ordering new stock and updating the website. Because if I flit from one thing to another, I could be midway through ordering stock. I could get distracted. I could end up messaging customers. I could then look at social media. And then by the time I get back to ordering, I've forgot what I'm actually needing to order. And I've done that before. I've done it time and time and time again. I've ordered from one supplier thinking, I really need to order this. I really need to order that. I've been distracted. And before I knew it, I've placed the order. And then I think, shit, I totally forgot to order that. And it's because I've distracted myself. So block off your time. If you go 
go over by a few minutes, don't be so hard on yourself. It just allows you to show focus and determination to get that task complete free of distraction from the outside world. I don't know how long it took me, for example, to create that bloody well-being journal. Months, almost a year, I'd say, in fact. And it's one of my bestsellers now. Last week alone, I sold more than 50 copies, for example. But I procrastinated about it for so long. And I kept putting it off because I told myself daily that, you know, I don't have the time for that. It's not a need to do. It's a would like to do. And instead, I would spend an hour here or there or just even scroll in social media. And that was instead of designing the content of the well-being journal. So just think about what you can do in your life if you took those hours here and there and you put them to good use on your goals or your dreams. Like I say, what could you achieve in life? Because like I say, when we talk about manifestation, we always say manifestation is 50-50, isn't it? It's 50% the universe and putting it out there and living your life exactly how you would if you had that in your life already but it's also 50% hard work. So what would you achieve if you had a couple of hours spare every single day? There's a lovely little bit near the end of the book as well that says, and I quote, don't focus harder on your task. Instead, let your mind wander. Doing nothing is actually a valuable form of focus because it facilitates creativity and that arises when you make unexpected mental connections and associations. The longer you can let your thoughts drift, the more unexpected associations your mind can then create. That just might help you reclaim some of your stolen focus. And I love that because it is so true. I often say to people, sometimes the most productive thing that you can do as a human being is to sit back and switch off. Have some you time and prioritize your well-being. It's ironic because I haven't done it for the last two weeks. <laughs> but just make sure that that time is worthwhile to you by making it distraction-free. So when you do have some distraction-free time, that you're taking it not just even to work on your goals, but to work on you. Okay? Right. That's enough. Let's leave it there for this week's episode. I hope that you all enjoyed that little rant about productivity. But seriously, go and read the book. It's a great book. It's called Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. And, oh my God, next week on the podcast, I've got my first ever male guest on the show. His name is Jamie and his company is called The Breath Space. And I'm so, so excited to share his wisdom and knowledge all about, you know, using the breath to transform our physical, mental and emotional well-being, ice baths, everything. And trust me, he's amazing. I can't wait to have our chat. And if you've enjoyed this episode or any past episodes, please feel free to leave a quick 10 second review. It literally takes 10 seconds. Just do it wherever you listen to this from on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Audible. And please, please come and join me on the free Facebook group. The link is in the show notes or you can go to Facebook and just type Canny Crystals Manifesting Money Masterclass. Don't forget as well that all tumble stones on the website are three for two for a limited time with code tumbles. Just use the word tumbles in your code. And I will see you all next week for another episode of Penny Crystals, the podcast. Have a lush week ahead, guys. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 